Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Weekend Ball Podcast. Uh, we are very lucky to be joined by uh, the CEO of Canada Basketball, Mike Bartlett, for the second time. Um, thanks so much for doing this, Mike. I know uh, it's a busy day for you, and, and it's been quite a couple crazy weeks for you, but I know it'll quiet down this summer, so... Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, summer will be really quiet. Yeah, but uh, thanks so much for doing this. And uh, you know, before before we get started, obviously, uh, I know uh, the last couple of weeks and, and really a couple of weekends ago was a, a crazy maybe Sunday for you. Maybe walk through like walk us through the emotions, just seeing the women's team make it to the Olympics through that Spain game. Any resemblances to your heart uh, beating against Spain last summer yeah. as well? These games and our qualifications seem to come down to big moments involving games in Spain. Unfortunately, in the women's case, we weren't involved in that game. Um, listen, we knew we knew it was going to be a tough pool. It was called the pool of death for a reason. You have Spain, a perennial um, medal contender, Japan, um, the team that won the silver in the last Olympics, and always outperforms on their, their world ranking of ninth. And then the host Hungarian team, which wasn't just fueled by the home crowd, was also fueled by a realistic ambition of making the Olympics for the first time in 44 years. And we know how that feels, right? Like we, we challenge ourselves to overcome gaps and obstacles. And, and I, I think that program is doing a great job. They're very much on the rise. So we didn't perform in the games the way that we anticipated. Um, certainly, I think we had there's some roster impact there. Uh, there's a whole bunch of impacts in terms of like not being able to play together as a team uh, very regularly. Um, women uh, on our team are spread out across the world playing in European leagues. So even though we were having mini camps leading up to it, those mini camps were separate, not always gelled as a team. And so sometimes that plays out on the court, but ultimately we played well enough to win those games. We just didn't win those games mm -hmm. um, and came down to a, you know, quite, quite frankly, um, some Spanish luck. And they were down 22 points uh, in a game against Hungary that they didn't have to win to qualify. They were already in. Uh, I'd like to think the good relationship between the federations fueled some of it. I'd like to think that they have enough respect for Jordi uh, and Victor, um, countrymen of theirs who are coaches of our program, Victor leading our women's program. Uh, I will say we had... Um, and the women had a nice little um, arrival welcome for the Spanish team when they came back to the hotel. And uh, <laughs> the hotel actually put together this, it was random. Nobody knew it was happening. Like they brought in a DJ and did a dance party. So now all of a sudden, all these teams that have qualified, um, you know, are celebrating and having some fun together with respect to the Hungarian team, who I think, you know, earned all the credit um, mm -hmm. and probably earned an opportunity to be in the Olympics. I'm ashamed that they're not, but we uh, got a bit lucky, but you have to be good to be lucky for sure. Uh, we did talk about it as a team um, that, you know, in is in, but being in is not the win. And we've talked about it in the men's program. We've talked about it in the women's program. Uh, we know that we have an opportunity with the right training, the right coaching and the right roster 
Um, and we've got that plan in place to be ready for Paris so that we control more of our destiny moving forward. Yeah. And with that, like, just how would you evaluate, like, obviously it's the first time since 2000 that both the men's and, and women's teams have made the Olympics. And I know that's a point of pride for you and everyone at Canada basketball, but just how would you evaluate the state of the program right now? Would you call Canada basketball a world power now a little bit, just how you guys have no. done it? The... I, I think you need to consistently win internationally and reach podiums internationally to, to be able to have that moxie. Uh, I think we're, now at a point where we can consistently be considered in the mix in the mix is a good spot to be in the mix means for me and, and for our program ambitions in semifinal games each and every time because if you're in a semifinal games it means you're in a medal game no matter what uh, even if you lose that semifinal game you're competing for bronze and you're you know in the mix so I think that is the next hump for us. Being in has been something that Canada basketball probably celebrated for too long. Now being in the mix is what we want to achieve. And then being just an absolute consistent medal winner is the next step for us. And I think if you look at the talent trajectory, the program trajectory, the interest in basketball in this country, which is also fueling our ability to invest in the talent and the program, um, it all starts now to be an equation that presents itself as sustainable for quite some time so that you can, down the line, be considered a, one of the world powers. Is that is that almost like a, when you look to our, our your friends in Spain, like that might be a bit of the model? Yeah, and, and they've done it consistently and sometimes without the most talented people on the court, but they run you know, I, I joke all the time. There's, there's a reason why my seven-year-old son's basketball team is running Spain. Like they've, they've written the book on system development. Um, and, you know, ultimately that is a spot where I think our program needs to get to. We need to lean more into technical direction and how that downstreams into the basketball community across this country so that kids are learning to play Canada. Um, Jordy and Victor's speak about it often in conversations with me and conversations with our technical team. How are we taking uh, Canada basketball systems, style of play and fundamentals and growing the base based on those? I think Rowan and Denise with their men's and women's programs have done a great job of doing that through the age groups. Uh, and now how do we reach down into the next level of basketball, provincial, regional, you know, and then down to city basketball, how does Canada basketball system start to present itself? So that sustains the world power opportunity, which Spain, uh, which Spain has seen for decades. And, and with that, like obviously making the Olympics for both men's and women's comes with a financial, you know, downwind, just maybe talk a little bit about that, like how that impacts Canada bas basketball to, you know, provide those programs to to you know youth and and make Canada basketball to be that you know Spanish system where people are playing Canada as you just suggested yeah certainly well I think it's funny winning is a double-edged sword winning um, is the fuel that you need to take those next steps I view winning I, I view winning as our obligation to community basketball because if we're winning on international stages and this is actually something I've challenged my my staff on and teammates on this year as we tell Olympic stories this summer mm. I want every one of those stories to be connected to 
driving youth participation at the community level. So if, you know, a young Canadian is watching us perform and consuming a story about us that we produce later, I also want it to be very easy. You know, it's a bit cliche for them to double click and land on a page which teaches them and their household and their mom and dad or their guardian on how to register for basketball in their hometown. That's what I want us to be inspiring and igniting. Um, you know, but the double-edged sword is also winning uh, and investing at a level to win. It's really cumbersome um, financially. We do not have a system in Canada, a sport system and a sport funding system in Canada like they do in Europe. Um, I, there's a story from, and you would have seen this, mm. Alex being at the World Cup, like Latvia, the yeah. government of Latvia, yeah. if you demonstrated that you bought a plane ticket and a game ticket to go to the World Cup games in Indonesia, the government wrote you a check back. <laughs> um, we don't support sport like that in this country. And listen, I'm not, I got to be very careful too. I'm not saying that that is what our government should be focused mm -hmm. on. There's a lot of social issues that trump the position of sport and the, the need for sport funding in this country. What I am saying is we have to be more innovative, I think, in working with public and private partnerships to recognize that it's not just every four years in the summer or winter Olympics. So I guess it's every two years on that alternate cycle mm -hmm. that that sport matters, that Canada pays attention to sport. There are a few sports, and I would argue basketball is one of them, that is always on and that is uniquely an engine for unity and gathering and pride in this country. Hockey has been it. Soccer has been it. Basketball is it now. Um, so I think we need to be more creative in working with public and private partnerships to make sure that if the public expects that we're going to go to the Olympics and send the best athletes in Canada, who are some of the best athletes in the world, there are financial obligations associated with that, that government funding alone is not covering. I'm grateful for the brand partnerships that we've established, the donations that we've, um, you know, I'm kind of on my stump speech right now, but like the donations that we've uh, received as well, because it is fueling our ability to do on court what everyone for decades has expected of us. Mm -hmm. But it can only happen when you resource against it. That's the truth. Yeah, no, and and you you hit it on the nail. But what what I'm interested in is what you think about how just this Olympics with the men especially, and so many superstars like you talk about Shay and and you know our friend mutual friend Matty Ireland. I think he'll appreciate the shout out. But you know the way he fell in love with Canada basketball was 2000 Steve Nash. And and how do you think this summer could impact can Canadians, the casual basketball fans here who love the Raptors but aren't. Canada basketball fans. Oh. It's a great, it's a great question. And, and I think the casual basketball fan is actually the opportunity here. Um, the great news about the Olympics is that the casual sport fan who is proud of their country leans in to watch swimming, shot put and basketball. The great news about the basketball vertical is we have a chance like the, the men's tournament tips off on the 27th women's on the 28th, three X three on the 30th. We could have a Canadian basketball team playing every single day of the Olympics, captivating national attention, instigating national pride. And I do believe we are going to perform at a level where at some point during that tournament, there will be an Olympic moment created by basketball, 
created by our athletes that Canada will talk about for the next 10, 15, 20 years. I could name it on my hand, the Olympic moments that I remember whose floor I was sitting on, um, what bar I was in, what seat I was in and who I was with. Um, it's, you know, Ben's race. I was on my living room floor. Mm -hmm. Donovan's race. I was on my living room floor. Uh, the first hockey win in, in Salt Lake. I was at, you know, the local pub. And in 2010, I happened to be a fan in the stands when Sydney scored the goal. I could tell you those moments. I believe over the course of the next two, three Olympic cycles, Canada basketball is going to create that moment for this country, which will just galvanize what basketball means. I think it will support. I've talked a little bit about, you know, we're benefiting from the CB effect. We're benefiting from the Raptor effect. I now want the Raptors and basketball in general soon to benefit from the CB mm. effect. That should be something that, that we create for this game in this country. We haven't really been the catalyst for a CB effect, the Vince Carter effect, the Raptors championship effect, and the next one is ours. Exactly. Hopefully maybe, a, you know, a Canada USA game uh, in the men's Ooh. women's would be well, pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> Good news is we get to manufacture one for, uh, you know, before the Olympics down in Vegas. So we're excited uh, about that July 10th matchup. For sure. You want to maybe talk about like that game, but also just the preparations. Is there going to be a, a training camp? Is it going to be a joint camp? Just maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we've, you know, we're still piecing it together right now. We've certainly got the straw dog uh, ready and we're looking to announce it, some of it officially um, near the tail end of March. Um, but yes, we will have some training camp activities across Canada in certain marketplaces, men's and women's. Uh, the schedule doesn't line up that they'll be in the same city at the same time, but we will be in different cities at, at various points through June and July. Um, the problem with a European-based game and most of the qualified teams being European teams to date uh, or Asian-based teams is that bringing them to Canada or convincing them to come to Canada for friendlies is somewhat difficult. So uh, we are going to have to path around Europe a little bit. Uh, as you've heard me say before, we are investing in preparation in a way that we haven't before. So those pre-competition friendlies are essential. We're lining up games against top 10 competition, men's and women's, to make sure, like we did for the World Cup um, this summer, we are ready when the official games tip off. So we're looking to do that, you know, game in Vegas and then likely depart into Europe for mm -hmm. the men and women, uh, work our way through the European continent, and then uh, finish off with some games it looks like in France just before um, the tip-off of the Olympic Games. So just to be clear, there there probably won't be a game in Canada with like the. I don't. I don't think so. We've we've got we've got one idea that we're still tinkering okay. with that we're looking at. Um, what I will say is, and I know it's you know we haven't even lit the torch on Paris, and I'm already talking LA, but really cool opportunity if we do yeah. our job between now and LA and and book the teams for those games that we think. Now, a North American-based games is going to allow us to bring Europe and Asia into Canada and North America to play friendlies before we go down south uh, and take on uh, the Olympic Games in LA. So we are already thinking about things like that as an organization. I, I know it's not a you know an Olympic game or a World Cup game, but what, what does it say about the program just to, to have a marquee matchup with the USA in Vegas and, and just the star power there and, and yeah. just almost how it shows how far this program has come? Yeah, and it, it it very much does. It's a, it's a credit to the program to be invited to a game like that. You know, when you think about that's a, it's an NBA co-produced game, 
Um, they the NBA actually is is producing summer league and this game down in Vegas. So they recognize as an organization that Canada basketball is that next NBA dream team esque uh, opportunity, which also strengthens the brand of the NBA. I actually relate back to a December 2022. Myself and Brian Cooper, our board chair. Uh, had some meetings with the NBA, Mark Tatum specifically. And um, we, you know, we did a bit of a, <laughs> a dog and pony show of putting up that dream team picture from 1992 hmm. and recognizing that in 92, the NBA and David Stern specifically had a dream that the dream team would instigate future dream teams in other countries. And in that presentation, I put up a picture of who I thought our dream team was likely to be going into Paris. And once we actually punched our ticket uh, at the World Cup, I ran into Mark Tatum and he's like, just like you promised. And like, but that 92 moment in Barcelona has instigated what is now like at the All-Star game, half the players on the court were international and international basketball with the dream team as the catalyst in 92 has created, well, no, it didn't create it directly, but it instigated it, it inspired it, it was a catalyst for it. So when I think about now taking a team down to Las Vegas to take on USA's latest version of the dream team, and we're likely to take 11, 12 NBA players with us for that, that's exactly what the dream was in 92. And now we are starting to deliver on it ourselves. Yeah. My uh, friend of the, you know, my other podcast, Brian Windhorst has kind of said a lot that, uh, you know, the USA isn't the, the, the superpower they used to be. And, and hopefully we can see that at least for Canada and, and push them. And, you know, they beat them at the World Cup. Not the, it probably won't be the exact same teams. But I want to I want to ask a little bit about just going into the Olympics for the men's team. And obviously, Jordy Fernandez did an amazing job this summer, but he might be a head coach. And I know you've been asked this question in various um, iterations, but like if he gets a job, how like an NBA head coaching job, does that affect his, you know, commitment to the program this summer? No, no it's not something that we anticipate. Um, if the call log is any indication, Jordy's thinking about Canada basketball almost daily. Um, we talk to him often. Uh, and listen, as was Nick, um, I, I don't disagree and, and I don't discount that as well. And there are always some factors that we can't control. But um, the Olympic Games is also something that is ultimately um respected and understood by NBA owners and NBA front offices. And thankfully, unlike the World Cup, it ends a lot sooner and um, doesn't really interfere with a lot of the NBA prep calendar preseason. So whereas the World Cup was a bit more complicated that way. So I think because it's the Olympic Games, um, you know, and also because of the NBA lean into the Olympic Games as a priority, we feel very confident. Jordy should be a head coach in this league for sure. And yeah. um, you know, we, we hope to support him in that effort. Um, but, you know, as we prepare for the summer, Victor and Jordy are very much focused on, you know, making sure that Canada is ready. And there's no doubt that those two uh, amazing coaches uh, are going to have our teams ready. And you talked about bringing maybe 11, 12 NBA players to, to the Olympics. Just obviously there was the commitment back in 2021. Things have changed, different coach, you know, players get injured. There's a lot of new rising stars that weren't really on the, the, the map at the time. Just how much for, you know, Canada basketball, Rowan, Jordy, how much is it between kind of talent versus the guys who committed and just continuity from last summer? Like how does that weigh in, in how you uh, make the roster? 
Well, in both our men's and women's program, what we've attempted to do and what we are in the process of doing is building teams. And teams um, are just that. They are a mix of individuals that understand their role clearly and perform their role the best. And that doesn't always mean it's the 12 from one to 12 most talented, from one to 12 NBA or WNBA, it's a team. You actually saw that play out this year. Um, you know, and I've told this story and I, and I tell this story often. There were moments in the Spain game where Melvin, Trey, and Kyle are reminding the NBA players about FIBA idiosyncrasies in rules. And just even that inbound pass from Kelly with 30 seconds left that he can run the baseline, which is a FIBA nuance mm -hmm. um, that it doesn't always behoove you to have 12 of 12, just because they're 12 NBA or just because they're 12 WNBA. So our coaches, Victor and Jordy and our general managers, Denise and Rowan are very focused on sending a team to Paris, not sending Canada basketball top 12. Now with that said, Good news is our top 12 in both men's and women's, if you were to look at, you know, who you would, you know, consider sending, they're also very much a team of, of individuals that know each other. So uh, I'm not, um, I'm certainly not, I'm in the room, I'm having the conversations, I'm listening. Um, I think there's a lot right now that is being considered and discussed. Right now, we're just focusing on our preparation, what those plans will be in our communication with athletes so that the entire athlete mix knows what's possible from a mm -hmm. scheduling standpoint. And then when we get down to camps, we'll get down to camps. Would there be an opportunity for maybe like open tryouts? Like I'm just thinking about like the NBA or is I it? I don't know. I, I, I think, listen, in both, in both rosters, there's a core mm -hmm. uh, pipeline that has been in the mix for the last number of windows. It has been at qualifiers. It has been at world cups. Uh, and those athletes will be relied upon to compete for spots for sure. Um, you know, the men were very bold with their core and announcing a list. You know, that list, is, we're loyal to that list. Um, yes, there are some nuances of young players that were, you know, in university when we made that list that, that creates a bit of like, hmm, I wonder. But we're also, you know, I know because we've built a team, both the men's and women's, programs have a lot of open dialogue amongst the players so the players are going to have a say in some of this as well how exciting is it just to see you know when we talk about the men's just how, so many young exciting nba players from canada i think about like Shaden sharp who's talked openly about playing for his country like how do you think just making the olympics for the men's team changes maybe the attitudes of some of the players to want to represent their country maybe compared to, to years past yeah, I think, I think being in certainly attracts attention and attracts interest. Um, we want to be a program that is inconsistently so that there's never really a question anymore of are we going to be in? It now becomes a question of how are we building this team? And, you know, Canada doesn't have to debate if they're going to show, <laughs> which, listen, I, I, I've been a fan of Canada basketball for a long time, too. I've, I've followed that narrative. Um we can now debate who matches with whom the best to give us the best chance to win. And it's a great, great position to be in that unaided uh, our players around the world, men's and women's are talking about representing their country 
um, as something that they aspire to do and something that they expect to do. Um, just even creating Global Jam as an event and, and creating yeah. more opportunity for that under 23 age group as they're kind of between that U19 and senior team. Mm-hmm. It's so that they are constantly thinking and feeling connected to Canada basketball, that there's no three or four year lag before they get the call up, that there's an opportunity there to, to get runs in and be connected with, you know, the Canada basketball jersey across their chest. No, for sure. Like I just think about Leonard Miller and, and other guys that have kind of done that and Global Jam's awesome. Um, I, I want to ask you a bit more of a fun question. Just how cool it's been to see, the you know, the Raptors bring in RJ and Kelly mm-hmm. and and uh, this is more a spitballing type of question, but how how good would an all Canadian NBA team be in the in oh, the NBA? I tell you, an all Canadian NBA team um, is good enough to win at least bronze in the World Cup. So I tell you, they'd, they'd have a run at an NBA championship too. Um, yeah, listen, it's it's wonderful to see. Um, you know, I've got a great um, a f- love affair with the Raptors organization, having worked there for for ten years as well. Um, I will say they're, you know, there's, they're not calling us saying like, Hey, what do you think about this? But, you know, we are applauding them when they do, um, lean in and RJ and Kelly are quality human beings, quality Canadians and damn good basketball players. They've made their team better. They've made their culture stronger. Uh, the Raptors culture has always been strong and, uh, you know, it was fun running into, Messiah and Bobby this weekend in, in Indy and kind of just sharing a laugh of like, Hey, mini Canada over there. I like it. I like what I'm seeing. So if I could ever help, uh, certainly count on me. Yeah. Get, maybe get Shay over or something like that. Oh gosh. What yeah. A, what a yeah. Um, before I let you go, uh, Mike, and thanks so much for, for taking the time and doing this. Um, it just maybe like, you know, let's say it's, I, I forget what the dates of the Olympics are, but it's uh, the end of the Olympics, the last day, and what would kind of be your like ultimate goal to see from some of the teams at the end of that, you know, of the yeah. Olympics? So August, I think August 6th is going to be the three X three finals. August okay. 10th is the men's final bronze and gold. And August 11th is the women's final bronze and gold. Um, I, I'd like what I hope for this country, what I hope for this program, what I hope for the people and athletes involved is that at the end of it, we can say we were in games that mattered. Um, we competed hard in games that counted. And for us, that's semifinals and beyond. Uh, I want to be in those games. I want this country to wake up on the morning of the 10th and the 11th and the morning of August 6th and have appointment television viewing circled on their calendar. I want them changing their plans so that they can watch Canada compete uh, in games that matter. And uh, that would be the ultimate joy. I think that would be the ultimate service to the country uh, at a time when we really need as many excuses as possible to cheer and smile and be together. And I want our teams to be the reason that it's happening this summer. So by August 12th, I guess that would be, I'd like to have a checklist of saying we were in games that matter and Canada cared and we gave them a reason to. Well, I, I really hope that happens. And I, at the same time, I really hope there's a Canada USA because uh, I think I watched that bronze medal maybe once a month just, just for my own enjoyment. So <laughs> you too. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually, we, we've had, here's this story. We've had a, at the, the funding of a, a good friend of the organization has been, we've just kind of had a camera in the background as far back as Victoria. And we know how Victoria ended. Yeah. 
we, we didn't release much of that footage. Um, and <laughs> Mikhail Bridges hits that three-pointer in the game um, to push it to overtime. And the camera turns to somebody that I was sitting with. Um, and at this point, the, the, the people I was sitting with had figured out it was the documentary camera and looks right in the camera and says, this is going to make a great movie one day. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I look forward to uh, writing a pretty good ending to, to the Canada basketball movie for the last four years. It'll be fun. Exactly. We need more Dylan Brooks in, in all of our lives. Uh, okay. points. I'll always remember that. Uh, is there anything else just for people like to any camps, any, you know, anything from Canada basketball that maybe you'd want kind of the casual basketball fan to, to know about that maybe they can go to camps, you know, well, yeah, we, we don't because we're we're national team in our mandate. Um, we don't run a lot of camps. What we are looking to do, though, is as we move our senior teams uh, into training camps, that we are going to have a lot more community connectivity with our Olympic camps. So we are looking at open practices. We are looking at coaches clinics. We are looking at uh, community activation days. So stay tuned for more information on that. I will say, uh, you know, a shout out to our age group teams, uh, our women's age group program is now number third in the world our men's are number seven um our u17 girls and boys go into the world cup this summer both with a chance to podium and our u18 girls and boys go to america cup uh, tournaments to qualify for next year's world cup at u19 and they've got a chance to podium so don't don't focus exclusively on our olympic teams every age group of canada basketball is operating at a level that puts them in meaningful games now. And that's a good thing for the future as well. Cause if they're in them now, they'll know how to win them later. Exactly. I still remember RJ Barrett and U19 2016. Yeah. I remember where I was. Uh, so I back uh, working and checking my phone and watching the game. So I remember that. And obviously this summer, uh, the women's team did amazing with Silas Swords and everyone yeah. else. So uh, there's gonna be some cool, you know, just on a parting, like some really cool family narrative mm -hmm. in the Olympics. Um, you know, everyone kind of focuses on Rowan and RJ uh, or Nikhil and Shea. You've got Melvin Ajim and his sister Yvonne. You've got Kayla Alexander and her brother Kyle. Um, you've got Silas Swords, who's the daughter of Sean Swords, who was in the last Olympics with the men and also has Savannah Swords, her younger sister, that's going to lead our U17 team to the world. So the family connection across Canada basketball is something I think we need to, to start to lean into those stories because I think actually Canadians will connect with it really well. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and as you mentioned, like there's some underground stories that people might not know. And I think with both teams going to the Olympics, you know, I think those might be highlighted a bit more and kind of a better stage. So uh, anyways. Not, not to mention, not to mention Natalie Achan with, with her own family, captain of our team, bringing her son Mab into our competition and training camp environments, us as an organization, making sure that that's supported. Um, it's stories like that we don't tell enough, um, but that, that's what we're building as a culture and as an invest in the people strategy here as an org. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for, for taking the time. Good luck today to Canada players, Nicaragua and uh, qualifier. So thank you so much for, for taking the time and doing this. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for your support.